Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. What a pleasure. So, special day. It's the last day of the classic series. I wish I could go through March, but we got something else special coming up about Jesus preparing the way. We're still working on an exact title um, for March. You say, what did Jesus prepare the way for? For us to believe, for us to get into heaven, for us to be right with God, for us to put faith in him as the perfect example, as the word made flesh. So we're going to be talking about that in March, but today is the final installment of the classic series. But before we get into that, someone say before. Got some special people I want to honor today. Um, Interesting. I have three staff members who have birthdays three days in a row. The 28th tomorrow, the first on um, Tuesday, and the second on Wednesday. And two of them are hitting major milestones in their life career. And that is one's turning 30, one's turning 40, and one's turning, well, a very young something or other. Right, Ms. Norma? She looks great for her age. She told me how old she's, she's going to be, how young she's going to be. Um, we're going to honor Ms. Norma this week, have a get-together. But first of all, I want to say thanks to my, um, I've always called her my little sis, and that's Valeria for all she does. Her birthday is tomorrow. She's turning big 30. Let's give the Lord a clap offering for Valeria. Come on up, Mija. Man, it feels like I turned 30 last century. Wow. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mija. We love you. Thank you. You're so welcome. There you Thank go. There you go. Also, um, we have someone who's turning 40 on staff. So go ahead. You know who you are. Go ahead and stand up. It's going to take you a while to get past Matthew there. Uh, Barry is a longtime staff member. He started in January of 2009. So he's been with us 13 years solid and faithfully. So, Barry, we love you. Happy 40th. Man, happy 40th. You're welcome. Here you go, sir. Good to see you, man. Excellent. So we got 30, 40. And exciting, exciting. So happy birthday, y'all, all three of y'all this week. Vali, Barry, and Ms. Norma. 28th, the first, and the second on a non-leap year. All right. So if you're serving God, someone say, if I'm serving God. Do I have everyone's attention? All right. If you're on your phone, it is only for Bible use, right? Okay. Be sure and silence all phones. It seems like every week we get a, a little... A little reminder that phones are on, and it's a, a loud noise at the wrong time. Sorry if it's happened to you. I know you feel bad, so you don't want it to happen today. Silence that phone. Turn it off or just silence it. You say, I don't know how to silence it. Turn it off. Do something with it. All right. You know I love you. That's why I give you the truth. I just want you to be able to hear God's word and focus on it today. So if you're serving God, someone say, if I'm serving God. Say, God led me here. Uh-huh, look at this title. God led you here. <clears throat> God led you here. Let's go to Exodus 14, verse 15 through 29. I'm going to be reading right out of my Bible here. I'm in the New Living Translation, as usual, for Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. Exodus chapter 14, verse 15. The Israelites had just fled from the Egyptians' presence. They're out in the desert. God had led them to a place that looked like they were in a rock, between a rock and a hard place. He led them toward the Red Sea, so it looked like they were trapped. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. (laughs) Next verse, verse 16. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the area or the sea on dry ground. You know what kind of miracle that is for God to move the sea and then for it to be dry? You ever stepped on a lake bottom? It is disgusting. You have, huh? Y'all are having a memory right now. Went through your toes. You thought you were going to die. You went, oh, me, I just thought it was always cool. I'm all, oh, mud treatment for my claws down there. Slimy. So look, God's talking about a double miracle here. We got to realize that. He says, tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. What? He said, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. Scripture says God is hardening their hearts. Some say, well, many of the things where God has given direct credit for in the Old Testament, theologians say it is God allowing it to be so. It's in the permissive sense. But whatever way you look at it, Pharaoh and his people's hearts were hardened. After all the plagues, can you imagine? They said, wait, our servants, our slaves are getting away. We've got to go get them. All right, next verse. When my glory is God speaking, when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. (laughs) When God rescues you, everybody around you will go, their God is God. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. you got to read before this, leading up to this. There was a pillar of cloud by day to shade them and a pillar of fire by night to give them light and warmth. It was amazing. God was already taking care of His people. He'd been taking care of them when He dealt with the Egyptians. So the cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. You know, Scripture says, I will make a difference and show the world there's a difference between you and those who don't serve me. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Who would want to? (laughs) Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So it not only parted the water and held it in place, It dried it out so people wouldn't get bogged down in the mire. God thinks of everything. Aren't you glad you serve Him? So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. That sounds ill-advised. But just before dawn, the Lord... I love this. Just before dawn, this is, God is such a personal God. The Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud. And he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels. Some translations say he wrenched them off. The chariot wheels from this incident have been found in the Red Sea to this day. Further proof that it happened. He made their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. The Egyptians shouted, the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Hey, uh... Egyptian brothers and sisters, he's been fighting against Egypt for plague after plague after plague after plague. And you just figured this out? Man, their hearts were hard. 
When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Now raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back. Where? Into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape. But what? But the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. Verse 29, look at this. This is for you and for me. Stories aren't just stories in the Word. They're parallels. They're promises. They're prophecies. They're reminders of God's faithfulness, how He keeps His Word to His people. But the people of Israel, the people of Kingsgate Church, the people of Hobbes who serve God, They'd walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. I prophesy to you in the name of Jesus that God is turning your obstacle into a highway. What has held you back will now be something to vault off of. I can see that in the spirit. You know these crazy kids, these gymnasts? I say they're crazy, man, because they're fearless. You seen the Olympics? You see that? Was that this past summer? They go, have you seen the vault where they vault off that board and flip off the, the little platform thing there? What is that called? The vault. Boy, howdy, I learn something new every day. They run and vault. I can see you in the spirit. If you continue to put God first, continue to walk holy before him, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus, God is going to vault you over your problem. Your problem is that little thing that they place their hands are on to vault over you're just gonna vault right over it it's time let's give the lord a clap offering come on come on if you would let's go ahead and pray one more time before i get into my points this morning father i thank you for your word i thank you for your words of prophecy and encouragement and exhortation and father god for edification to your people today both live and in person Lord, live on, online on Facebook or in person here. And Lord, we honor you and thank you for today. May your word fall on good ground and pierce our hearts. May it cut us in places that we need it to cut us for conviction, correction, encouragement, and whatever else the need may be. In Jesus' name, someone said? I've got good news today. Point one, God always has a plan. Did you know, though, God will lead you to places where there are trouble? Scripture says that you say, what? That's not in the Bible. You need to read through that Bible because Scripture says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Wow. He was he was led out there to to get ready for his earthly ministry for the next three and a half years to get ready to get to, to heal the sick and do all the miracles and proclaim the kingdom of God, but also to be crucified. Remember, he's all God, but he lived in a human body. And that human body says, I don't want pain. Right? So he had to prepare. So he was led out into the wilderness. God always has a plan. Even though he leads us to a place of testing, there's a perfect plan in place. Hmm. Jesus was led into the wilderness. Moses, after he murdered someone, he was led into the wilderness. The Israelites, they were led to the Red Sea. It looked like a dead end, but it was a trap for their enemies. Someone say it was a trap. For their enemies. Mm -hmm. It was a trap. 
God always has a plan. And did you know that sometimes things look like they've, they've gone, see if some of you know this word. See, things look like they've gone cattywampus. You ever heard that word? Cattywampus, you heard that one? You had a good uh, 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 American education in dialect there, Vince. If you know cattywampus, your dad probably uses that word, huh? <laughs> things have gone sideways. They feel like they've gone out of control, and you say, I've served God. You know how it is. You've served God for years, and things don't work out like you planned, and we go, God, what are you doing wrong? We miss it sometimes. We do as humans. The problem is never on the giving end from God. It's on the receiving end from us. But here's what Scripture says. In this world, you will have trouble. So be encouraged because the righteous falls many times and gets up. Righteous is person, people who are right with God. But the wicked falls, and they turn into powder and blow away. They vanish. They disappear. Say, oh, man, he looks sweet, though, in the hood driving that Mercedes. I never understood that about drug dealers. Let me just throw that in there. I'm not trying to educate you on how to be a better drug dealer, but, man, that sounds stupid. Let me advertise that I don't work anywhere legal. I haven't worked in years, and I'm, I'm driving a Mercedes. Anyway, need to get you a hoopty. Y'all know what that word means? It's been a while, huh? Blast from the past Sunday. God always, someone say always. He always has a plan. It may not look like it, but I'm reminded of this. Man, the past year God has spoken this in my ear. I feel like it's been shouted in my face. I feel like I've cried tears that, that equated to this. Is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Some of you have been through some stuff this past year. You say, man, I've stepped in it. I've stepped around it. I've tried to step through it. Some things I've been blocked from. And here, and here you are. God's still with you. God's still with you. Day in, day out. Don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare let a virus or anything else. I've hit this hard for a couple years now. But don't you let anything get between you and God. Nothing. You keep putting God first through it all. Why? He has a plan. He's going to take care of you. You know what Scripture says? This is the Lord speaking to Israel. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, just as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. He sees stuff coming. And did you know, as part of God's plan, I really need to share this this morning, he only gives you bits and pieces of it. You know why? So you have to trust him. He gives you God's plan. It, the way I see it, it's like a, a rug. You ever seen a rug being rolled? You can't see all of the rug until it's completely rolled out. It's, it's completely developed. It's unrolled. God is not giving you all of it right now. You couldn't handle all of it. Some people say, no, I, I could. Can you imagine handling everything that's on God's mind? You'd have smoke coming out of your ears. You'd be done in about a nanosecond. God gives you what you can handle right now. So you keep trusting him. Keep trusting him. He says, look, I got it. Look, and he, God got to a point where he told Moses, hey, come on. Don't, don't keep talking to me. Move. I've already spoken. Now it's time to move. And that is my point too today. Man, we've prayed. We've cried. We've fasted. You know how it is. But there's times you got to, it's time to what? Move in faith when it's time. 
my wife and I, I feel like this is one of the, the continuous lessons of our lives together and our faith together. We, we, committed, we committed years ago when we first got married. We were going to completely serve God together. It was a no-brainer. I wouldn't have married her if she wasn't going to serve God. She sure as heck wouldn't have married me if I wasn't going to serve God. I'm not that cute. I've seen people go, I'm going to be with them. They don't serve God, but they're good-looking. Looks change, man. You know how many more wrinkles I have now that I've been married? It's been 15 and a half years in March, and there's new wrinkles on my face, new spots on my head, whatever, a lot of gray in my beard. And I've learned that we've got to take steps at times. It's time to start taking steps. Someone say take steps. You say, how will I know? Hey, look, there's a time for everything. There's a time to laugh, cry. Ecclesiastes tells us this. There's a time to wait. There's a time to move. And you can't wait forever. you got to seek God. So start there. And you got to seek counsel from wise and godly people. So who's some wise and God- godly people in your life? Well, someone who's known the Lord longer than you. Someone who's successful in the area that you are seeking advice. I don't know how many times I've said this over the years. You don't go to losers to try to get advice on how to win. I've never played in the NBA. I wish. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't good enough. There was a few guys my height or shorter that made it to the NBA. I can tell you by name because I'm a student of it. Spud Webb, Damon Stoudemire, Muggsy Bogues, 5'10 or shorter. I think there's one guy who used to play for the, for the Celtics is about 5'10, 5'11. I forgot his name. I think Ariana saw him play the Boston Celtics several years ago. But I cannot get advice. Here's my point. I can't, I can't give advice on how you can get into the NBA, youngins. So I'm going to go talk to Pastor Matt. How, what's the best way for me to get into a D1 school or get into the NBA? I, I, was, I, was, at a, I was accepted to Texas Tech, but I didn't go there, and I sure, surely wasn't going to go for basketball. It would have been academics or just going. <laughs> And I can't tell you how to get in the NBA or NFL or NHL. So when you, t- you, just, I, I gotta, you say, i got to move in faith because it's getting to be time. You need to talk to somebody. Now, here's the challenge for you. You go to ask people, and their opinion, their wisdom is not lining up with what you think you should do. You better hear from God because they could be right and you might be wrong. I've had people go to, go to get advice, and if it doesn't line up with what they thought they should have done, they're like, oh, never mind, forget it. That's not comfortable. I'm not going to do it that way. And that's between you and God. That's between you and God. But at some point, you have to move. You can't just die here. Remember the four lepers about a month, almost a month ago now? Remember the four lepers? They said, well, there's no food here outside the city. We can't stay here and die. Shh, everyone listening, please. We can't stay here and die. So let's go ahead and go to the Go to the Assyrian, the Assyrian army. We're good. We were going to die anyway, but why stay here and die? We got to move forward. So you get to a place, I was going to say where you're comfortable, but sometimes moving forward is uncomfortable, isn't it? How many, would you, how many of you would say, man, in my relationship with God, sometimes moving forward has been very uncomfortable? Raise your hand. I'm going to leave mine up. Say, man, I the rest of you be lying. We're going to have an altar call at the end of church. You can repent. Some of you are like, I don't raise my hand for stuff like that. I'm just kidding. I didn't even notice whose hands were up or not. I just saw hands go up. You got to move in faith. It's not always comfortable. 
Sometimes, I want to tell you right now, sometimes God tells you to move, it feels like your feet are in wet concrete. You ever had one of those awful dreams where you feel stuck, can't move, and you think you're waking up and you can't move? I think everybody's had that before. It's so weird. Sometimes when it's time to move in faith, you go, I don't know, I feel paralyzed. How do you attack worry and fear? My dad taught me this growing up. Many times it's just time to act. I am naturally a very highly gifted, experienced, an example of procrastination. I naturally put things off. I told you guys a few weeks ago, I think, my wife and I were talking. She's like, baby, come on. We can't procrastinate. And I said, you're right, man. I got to get better at that. And in the same conversation, without thinking, I go, but I'll do it later. <laughs> Heaven help him. Help him, Lord, somebody said. And I'm working on it. Some st it just comes naturally. Say, why do now what you can do later? Others go, why do later what you can do now, Pastor Matt? I know, I know. God's helping me. But at some point, you've got to move on it. I've noticed some things that I've been the most worried about, I was able to attack it at the source when I said, I'm going to take steps today. See, I'm so worried about this. We'll show up. Have you noticed that many times we're just afraid of nothing? Was it Franklin Delano Roosevelt who said, what, what was that quote about fear itself? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Sometimes we just don't want to move. We don't know why. It's like, is it what people are going to say? No. Is it that they're going to kill me if I step forward? No, that's not it. Is it they're going to kick me out? No, that's not it. Is it that I'm going to lose this or lose that? No, it's just we're actually afraid of being afraid to move. You ever felt like that? Man, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you have already been given the green light 500 million times, and it's time to move forward. It may be in your walk with God. God's saying, go on to the next level. Serve in this area. Seek me this way. Read through the Bible like this. Do this. Remember, the Lord said in the Old Testament, there will come a time, and this time is now. He said where I will tell you, turn to the left or turn to the right. I will guide you. It's now. The time is now. The time is now for you. You have Jesus. That, the rest of that promise is for the people of Israel. Their time is coming. Those who have not accepted Jesus from the country of Israel, God's original people. But we're part of the new covenant. It's a better covenant than the old one. And now we are part of God's perfect plan for the earth and for the universe and for the future. Did you know that? So the time to move is when? Uh -huh. For some of us, it was yesterday. For some of us, it was last year. Now, be careful how you take this. Don't say, Pastor Matt told me to ask this girl to marry me or this guy to marry me. I'm not saying that before I get, that is, I just want to preface it with that. But I remember at some point, this is late 2005, early 2006, I go, it was one late night. John, I think Jonathan was there at the house with my parents. I was 29. I was staying the night at mom and dad's house. We were hanging out. And they were in bed, and I go, hey, you guys, I think, uh, I think I'm going to ask Jen to marry me. And it was dark, and I, still, I can still remember Dad's voice in the dark. He goes, well, how many confirmations do you need? You know, Dad's, Dad's old school wisdom, he got it from his dad, is if you're going to do it, then do it already. It's time. That, that was his way of saying I have great peace for you as well, <laughs> I guess. You have my blessing. That was Dad's 
military way of saying, what, like, what are you waiting for? He said, how many confirmations do you need? Um, I've been counting. I need 48. No, 49 because it's 7 times 7, which is a holy number, a multiple of 7 according to Scripture. No, I don't know. I didn't say that. I just went, oh, well, ah, yeah, you're right. I need to work, work on it here in Jesus' name. Time to move forward. Can you imagine? Or no, we'll just be friends forever. Forget that, man. It was time for the next stage. Okay? Now, ladies, don't get weird ideas. Young men, don't get weird ideas. If they're not right for you. If someone's warning you away from someone because there are warning signs, it may be time to move in faith in the other direction. Who's with me on that? Uh-huh. Yeah, some of the best decisions I ever made were the ones I didn't. And I knew a big sign was when a girl came, and came to me talking marriage, I was like, no, that's your idea and maybe the devil's idea. Oh, you'd be a good husband. Okay, bye. <laughs> Not your good husband. Better find you another good one and let God speak to him or you're going to run him off too. Move in faith when it's time. Talk to people around you. Get counsel. My wife and I, we always move forward well-advised, well-counseled. We don't just jump into stuff. And sometimes those that we get counsel from go, I don't see it all, but if you guys have peace, go ahead. I think, you know, I asked my dad the other day, I said, Dad, do you have any red flags about it? He said, no, here's this, these reasons, but y'all got to move forward in peace. Have y'all been seeking God about it? Yes. Okay, well, it's time to, you know, it's time to go. So move in faith when it's time. Someone say move in faith. All right, good. We're getting it. Let's go to point three today. I've been waiting for this one. You? Let me straighten up. God will handle your enemies. Some of you have served God. And, you know, we make mistakes. If you're getting persecuted at work because you're not doing a good job, this point is not for you. Say, man, they're persecuting me, but I, I go to work whenever I want, and I call in sick. I forgot to call in sick, and then, you know, I'm late, two hours, you know, whatever. That, that, uh, you get per the, the apostle Peter called it being persecuted for doing well and doing good and being righteous, not for doing evil. Say, man, yo, Pastor Matt, the cops are persecuting me, man. I got 17 DUIs. What? How, how are you out here, Right? They need to put you in a, a mobile box unit or something, keep you from, let you drink water only. No, I'm talking about God will handle people who have messed with you as you move in faith. Look at Exodus 14, 13. I love this promise. Get ready. This is big. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still. At some moment, before you move in faith, you stand still and hear God's voice, and you stand still and watch him do what he's going to do. But it's almost time to move. And he says, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Kingsgate. The Egyptians you see today, that's the past. That's people persecuting you. That's the enemies of you and God will never be seen again. Man, let's give the Lord a clap offering. Some of y'all must have had someone messing with you. Say, man, amen, Pastor. I've been waiting for this all day. The other stuff, I don't know, but man, point three. Shh, I'm feeling it, man. Pastor, you got any more point threes? Like, you're going to keep. 
You're not done yet, are you? No, not done yet. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I almost went without laughing. <laughs> Some people just mess with you to mess with you, make your life miserable. They're jealous. Some of you call them haters. I remember in the hood, they used to say, they're spitting vapors on my dreams. <laughs> they're going, ha, one guy told me. I think he was part of the gang, the gang, uh, the Southsiders over here. He said, Pastor Matt, they're just like, ha, ha. Oh, dang, that's, oh, wow, that is very graphic. <laughs> Let's go to 2 Thessalonians 1, 6. Ooh, I like this. I like this. That was a little bit delayed, but you're worth waiting on, sis. I tell people all the time, I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting on. <laughs> it caught up with them over there. Look at what Scripture says in 2 Thessalonians 1.6. It says, in his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. Look at it in New King James Version, though. Ooh. It's like Mufasa time. Ooh. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Uh-huh. Other translation says he will trouble those who trouble you. I like what Pastor Coy used to say back in the day. He was like, pucker up and kiss them goodbye. We just went over that, Exodus 14, 13 through 14. You're never going to see them again. Another way of, of saying that is you're never going to see them give you trouble again because God's on them now. God's dealing with them now. Best thing in the world you can do is pray for them. Say, God, be with them and bless them as you deal with them. Say, God, you deal with them, and it, it may not be just like you planned, but he's God. He knows. You think he doesn't know how to get to people? He can shut people up. Man, let me tell you something right now. If you forgive, avoid bitterness, in, in forgiving, you're going to avoid bitterness, right? But if you forgive, avoid bitterness, I wanted those two separately. And keep putting God first, you'll outlast the critics, the naysayers, your enemies. You let God deal with people. I've said this over the years, and it gives me great pleasure to say I've outlived many critics. You know what people said about me in the late 90s? I don't know why they said this. I have no idea. Just word curses. They said, oh, yeah, he serves God as a young man, but he's, he's just not going to make it. It's too much pressure for him. He's not going to serve God forever. What kind of a stupid thing is that? Well, I'm still here. That's been 20-something years ago, 24, 23 years ago, and I'm still serving God. It hadn't always been easy, praise God, but that's life. In this world, we will have trouble, Jesus said. So keep pushing on and let God handle your enemies. In the future, there will be a footnote to your life. They will be part of testimony time of when you say, man, God delivered me from that trouble and that mess and that person, that abusive situation. Whatever it was, God has taking care of your enemies. you got to let God deal with people. If you deal with people, then what? Ready for some powerful logic? It's going to blow you away. I'm not a man of logic, but this is deep. If you handle the situation yourself without God's help, then God's not going to handle it. Why is God not going to handle it? Because you already handled it in your flesh. Now God's going to handle you. Oh, yeah, God disciplines his children. People say, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe. Man, what do you do with Scripture where it says he disciplines the ones he loves? So you need to let God handle people. And sometimes they don't love God. Guess what? 
they are not under covenant, that means God's got to deal with them differently now. Even from a child of God, maybe that's giving you trouble, or a relative that's serving God, and you're like, man, God needs to work on their heart. Okay, praise God. And I've noticed when you pray for God to deal with your enemies, God always works on your heart every time. Something powerful. It's not magical, but there's something powerful in the faith of the covenant and God's power to change you while he's working on someone else. Because I think it's a huge step of faith in, in, in your personal change and transformation and getting your mind renewed when you go, I'm not going to get into the mud with those people and, and, and debate with them and fight with them and, and cuss back at them. And, no, that's not you anymore. That's the past. Everybody has a past. Let it stay there. Save it for testimony time. Stop living back there. Stop living like that. Stop living like the world. Don't you dare allow yourself to be confused with the world. I don't want any of the people at the sound of my voices wanting to be getting this this week. Oh, dang, you're a Christian? It's happened to some of us. It's happened to me before, so don't feel bad. But you shouldn't be getting that anymore. From this moment forward, I declare holiness, walking in righteousness, and you saying, I am separate. I have been called to be separate and apart from the world. The Lord said that. He said that in Leviticus. He said it in, in, in one of the epistles that Peter wrote. Be holy because I am holy. You say, man, how do I do that? Do I, do I act pious? No, holiness is saying I'm going to act right because I am right with God. Let me flip it now. I'm right with God in righteousness, so now I'm going to act like I'm right with God, and that's holiness. People say, I'm the righteousness of God, being a jerk, throwing their weight around. No. Mm -mm. You let God handle your enemies. Don't fight fire with fire. You know that cliche, I don't get mad, I get even. How about you do neither? How about you let it go and let God deal with it? It's time, all right? So let's go over these points again. Remember, someone say, God led me here. Yeah, if, you, if, if you're putting God first, he led you to this place. You say, man, I'm in a place of trial right now. Well, there's decisions we make in life God allows us to make. He gives us peace for many of them. And you say, man, but it brought me to this situation that's tough. Well, don't worry. God's still leading you. Number one, God always has a plan. Someone say, God always has a plan. Number two, move in faith when it's time. Let's say that again. Say, move in faith when it's time. How do I know that it's time? Stay in the word, prayer, and get good counsel. Word, prayer, and good advice. And number three, someone say, God will handle my enemies. Say it again. Say, God will handle my enemies. Yeah, you don't need to get in the flesh and act crazy with them. They're already, people are around them, the way they're acting, they're already looking at them going, man, are they tripping? What's wrong with them? Let them, let them fight and argue by themselves. Don't go there with people. And it, word from the Lord, before we get into the altar call today and finish the service, some of you need to let some people go in your lives. It's time. Now, if you're married to a husband or wife and they're not abusing the kids, they're not abusing you, you're, you're stuck. You're stuck. You say, I forgave them, but I don't know if I forgive them now. No, you're stuck. Forgive each other, you're stuck. You're stuck. I don't know why that was funny. It? It's like I, didn't, I wasn't even planning for that to be funny. That happened a lot today. But there are situations in your life where you have the power to cut this relationship off. You better because you're going to save yourself a lot of damage. That's from the Spirit of the Lord today. I want everybody looking at me. 
there are several people, I think there's at least 15 or 20 people in this room of a crowd of about 80 to, 80 to 90. So you're looking at maybe a quarter of this room, 25% of this room. I believe that you are in a relationship that you should not be in. Hear me well. You know who you are. I don't. I have no clue. I'm not seeing faces. <clears throat> I'm not seeing names or dates. But, man, the Spirit of the Lord has been giving me a lot of word of knowledge lately by, the, by His Holy Spirit, and that is a knowing. And let me say this. This is a word of wisdom. If you will cut that relationship off, finally, you will be blessed beyond your wildest imagination in the next six months. Maybe give it nine for some of you if you'll just be faithful. Serving God isn't just three months at a time. Serving God is I'm putting him first and I'm in for life. I know too much to leave him. So stick with it. Someone say, I'm going to stick with it. Uh-huh. And some of you need to cut off some of those relationships. Say, man, but he's my brother. Yeah, but he won't serve God for anything. It's time to love him, pray for him, but love him at a distance. He's a terrible influence. He wreaks havoc. Some of you have people coming into your house drinking. Don't you allow that mess? You say, we don't drink, but people are going to do what they want. Yeah, at the city park or wherever else. Out with you, brother, sister. You're going to do that. You don't, do that. You don't get to do that at my house. I, that's one part of being a pastor I love is people know right off that's just not how I roll. But you need to set up boundaries at your house. Or people coming in there cussing or talking weird crap or they show up and they pick a horror movie at your house. Don't allow it. It opens the door to demons. Don't do it. Your house should be your sanctum, a sacred, safe place full of peace and protection and the joy of the Lord and his presence. Some of you need to let some people go, Pastor Coy said. Pucker up mwah, and kiss them goodbye. Can I get an amen in this house? Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes today. On that note, putting God first, separating from people. Remember, he called you to be set apart. That's holiness. Holiness says, I'm not going to be part of that strange relationship because it not only brings me down, it's a bad example. It makes me feel defiled. It robs my peace. It's messing with my sleep or I'm being abused. Whatever it is, <clears throat> got to let that go. If there is anyone in this house who has never, ever accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of their life, would you raise your hand today? I want you to raise your hand. You say, man, I have never accepted Jesus. All right. Anybody else? Sometimes it takes a while to stick. I realize that. You say, man, do I, do I believe? Yeah, you're saved once, you, once you've believed, repented of your sins. But let's do it all as a family for those on the live stream and those in the house today. Someone say, Heavenly Father. Say, first of all, I believe. Say, I cannot make it without you. Say, I've sinned, just like Scripture says. Say, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Say, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me and cleanse me. Say, I believe, I declare that Jesus is Lord, Savior, Redeemer, and Rescuer. He is my Lord. And I believe he died and rose again 
for me. In Jesus' name. Say, thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for cleansing me. Say, thank you, Lord, for making me part of your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to your feet briefly. We're going to pray together. You know, I have two separate parts to my altar calls, whether we're at the altar or not, but a call to repentance and a call to let it soak in whatever we heard today. So if God was speaking to you today through this message, raise your hand and let's bow our heads and close our eyes. He spoke to me too. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for your humble and genuine and loving and unified people of God today, your children, who put you first on a Sunday, the first day of the week, because they love you. And they want to be right with you. They want to be in your presence. Lord, I thank you for them. I praise you for them. I give you all the glory. And I thank you that your word is soaking in. It's being absorbed. We're putting it into practical application. We're putting it into effect by faith because faith without works is dead. Thank you for today and the word of your word. The word from you. In Jesus' name.